the day before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper bought a plane ticket from Portland to Seattle. He hijacked the plane, claiming he had a bomb in his briefcase and demanded $200,000 in four parachutes. He jumped out of the plane with the money and the bomb somewhere over the Pacific Northwest, never to be seen again. The FBI claims to have investigated over a thousand people, including dozens of deathbed confessions. In 2016, 45 years after the hijacking, the FBI suspended its investigation of the case. While the FBI is no longer looking for D.B. Cooper, there is a community of people who are trying to solve the case on their own. Welcome to the Cooper Vortex. In this episode, we're lucky to be joined by Harriet Suchet. Harriet is the creator of the new book, The World According to Jack Torrance. Always interested in the Zodiac Killer, she became consumed with breaking the Zodiac ciphers after her home burned down in 2016. Once she was able to crack that, she applied the same formula to the D.B. Cooper letters, and she is certain she solved both cases and more. Enjoy this episode with my good friend, Harriet Suchet. Let's get started with Jack Terrence. Before we dive into some of the information that you've uncovered or discovered, who is Jack Terrence? Well... I, in my opinion, after doing these for so long, and um, he's just um, a unique person. He's an enigma. Of uh, Everybody thought when I got involved with uh, Dennis Kaufman's side of the Zodiac cases that he was a madman serial killer and all kinds of things. But uh, once I finally got to crack open his cryptic messages, I'm discovering a lot about Jack. But what... I understood through uh, Dennis Kaufman and, and the family that um, what they got to know about him was that he had an amazing history when he moved in with them in around 1972, 71, sorry, um, that um, he worked as, a, I think it's a foreman for General Electric Atomic Energy. Um, so he went from the U.S. Navy to um, I think it was the Army, and then by in the mid-1950s, he's working in an exclusive field of nuclear energy and designing systems for General Electric. So that gives you an idea of how brilliant the man was. And um, so he just um, had a, a double life, but Dennis said when he moved in with them, when he was around five years old, 1971, he said there was something about him I didn't like about the bleepity bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> Dennis swore, Dennis swore a lot. <laughs> but um, do you mind telling us who, uh, who Dennis is? Dennis Kaufman is the stepson of J.W. Torrance J.R., or AKA known as Jack Torrance. And, um, so he definitely experienced a lot about him, but always had some uh, some questions about some of his secret activities because he'd say Jack would um, would stay for about a couple of weeks and then be gone for a couple of weeks and then come back with enough money to buy a secondhand um, mobile home and a secondhand car. And I always wondered where he got the money, but um, That's I'm hoping interesting. I'm giving it, yeah. Well, that's and he moved really, in with him in 1971. You said, yeah, I think it was 
according to Dennis, um, about September 1971, but his mom had met Jack a little bit earlier, maybe around late 1970, when Donna last disappeared. So that's how come uh, that was up in the South Lake Tahoe area. So that stands out in many people's minds <laughs> that Jack Torrance and the FBI was backing Dennis um, as of around 2001, that Jack was probably the right suspect um, because he was living in South Lake Tahoe at the time when Donna last disappeared and fit the composite and all kinds of things. But anyways, um, uh, I'll let you keep on asking the questions. I hope I'm answering as best as I can. <laughs> oh, doing a great job so far. How mm-hmm. how did you get involved in this, Harriet? What started you down the the Zodiac Killer sort of trail? Okay, during the late 1960s, especially during 1970, in San Francisco, they kept on describing a young man that um, they were looking for. Not not anything that looked like a um, what's his name, Arthur Lee Allen. And, you know, we would hear about it every half an hour on either KYA or KFRC, which was the popular stations to listen to, that they were looking for a young man because they had a description of him from Lake Berryessa. And they would. this was going on for months. And I'd be listening to the radio like every young 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid in that era. Anyways, um, I'm looking, uh, let's say I went to go do some family shopping, up in a neighborhood um, convenience store right at the top of the hill, Banner Foods, as it was called, on Alvarado Street. And um, I looked over about two blocks away, and I saw a young man with scraggly hair and um, something written like on a military shirt, um, and then what we called hippie pants, because they were kind of beige-like with some, um, oh, some some funny lines going down the pants and um and i looked over and i somehow at that time said you know i know that's the zodiac killer but i'm just a kid who's gonna listen to me i'm not gonna say anything i didn't tell anybody until um um about 20 years later in about 1970 that was 1970 so it was 1995 i got into it because um there was a lot of hoopla about the Zodiac was back and he was in Boston and sending cryptic letters to the Boston Globe. And I, I said, you know what? I remember something about seeing the Zodiac and um, that description. So I got involved in it because um, it was just an interesting true, con- true crime case. And I thought, you know, I do a lot of word puzzles and <laughs> like to um, I, I did at the time a lot of uh, antiquing and I knew how to research things. So it just intrigued me. And I said, I know I saw the guy, but he didn't scare me. So that got me into the Zodiac cases. That's kind of like a the slam dunk right there. And then many years pass and I get on certain websites. Um, and it turns out that Dennis Kaufman and I were on Tom Voigt's website. And every time either one of us said it wasn't, Arthur Lee Allen, and we would start siding with each other. I didn't know that Dennis Kaufman was Kenny Kilgore at the time. So um, when I would side with Kenny Kilgore, we'd get our post deleted. We'd get beat up online. And I would say, hey, the guy I saw was not Arthur Lee Allen, and Arthur Lee Allen is not it. That was not the popular view then. 
Isn't that crazy how those online communities work? Well, so let's fast forward really quickly by 2008, because I had gotten offline about, I still was interested in the cases and following them, but I stopped posting things about the same time period Kenny Kilgore dropped offline. And um, so it was 2008, and they're saying, Jack Torrance is most likely the right guy. The FBI is backing him. So I started looking into that. And when I scrolled down on Dennis Kaufman's website and I saw the guy at the bottom, I said, that's the guy I saw standing in 1970. And um, my hair stood on end. I said, this is the right guy. And this is Jack's son who I saw in 1970. And then we could fast forward really quickly to once I found that out and I got on Dennis's uh, website a few months later, that they lived on Surrey Street, which was the neighborhood next door to mine in San Francisco around 1969, 1970. So there you go. I knew something. And I told Dennis and everybody then that I knew something about the Halloween card. And um, so to make a long story short there, um, that was what pinpoint it to me my brother was working on a version of the halloween card because he wanted to be like robert graysmith who was receiving all these you know the zodiac messages and so it had something to do with the halloween card and i knew specific items that nobody else even online even dennis didn't know that there was a section called the by case and underneath that was certain parts that went with the halloween card so that was also a problem for certain websites a few years earlier. I knew about the by case section <laughs> and, oh, no, you're not supposed to know that. It's Arthur Lee Allen. Uh, no, the Arthur Lee Allen didn't have anything like that. So so that pretty much um, sealed it for me that I was definitely backing the right suspect and helping uh, the right person, which was Dennis Kaufman, to prove that Jack Torrance was it. So where do you go from there? Um, well, we got beat up online a lot, but (laughs) (laughs) because, well, um, I got involved with Sweet Cheeks and, uh, Dennis Kaufman and I, you know, told him who I really was and, and, uh, Sweet Cheeks turned out to be Nanette Bardo, who was just coming online and telling the world, Hey, the handwriting matches and we're doing reports for the FBI and, you know, all kinds of things, um. So I got involved with with them, and um, it just evolved when there were more cases that were surfacing that the FBI, if I remember correctly, and Chris Hopkins was the one who was definitely dealing with Dennis around 2009, 2010, they were very interested in linking him to the D.B. Cooper cases because of the proximity of uh, where Jack was living at the time. And he, they all knew about Reno. And um, so, and then there was also the interest that um, Dennis had come up with some pictures of pictures that he had found in Jack's belongings that they were sure it was Black Dahlia. The way uh, you can overlay it and um, a lot of, um, I don't know, technical things that you can do at the time, uh, overlay it. And they found out that it did match um the then deceased found deceased uh, Elizabeth Short way back in the 1940s. So, you know, he was a suspect then. Jack Torrance was becoming a suspect in the Black Dahlia cases. If 
you guys are are certain, you know, you've got the right guy. Jack Terrence is the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Why, why make the jump to, we got to figure out if he's D.B. Cooper? Well, it was something about the handwriting was matching and the composite was matching. And the age, Jack Terrence was uh, 43, 44 years old in 1971. And that's what was uh, catching a lot of people's attention, that he was definitely in the era, area and um, looked just like the guy at that that age. And Dennis had some pictures that he could post online, say, look, okay, this is D.B. Cooper composite, and this is Jack, it's circa 1971. So, And uh, Nanette was sure that the handwriting was matching, because um, some of the block letters that are used um, in the, some of the uh, communications, there's the same thing circa 1970, 71 for the Zodiac cases also, uh, where the envelope has block letters on it. So that was, um, people were finding that intriguing that uh, D.B. Cooper and Zodiac may be one of the same. It is a very intriguing theory, and a lot of people have mm-hmm. theorized that. Well... I, once I started cracking the, the cryptic messages, and the net was definitely um, inspiring me to keep going. Uh, long story short, I lost everything in the Clayton fire, and um, but I had plenty of time during the afternoon um, because uh, there was just you know <laughs> couldn't find any work, nothing. But I was still here on my property. But you know I had already started cracking the codes and. So Nanette said, okay, you did this one. Why don't you try D.B. Cooper? What does this say? <laughs> and so um, started focusing on it. Um, I think it was in 2018, some of the cryptic messages. And I was just surprised once I found out that some of them are just a simple anagram. But I make it sound really simple. It takes a couple hours to do them if <laughs> it's just an anagram. <laughs> but, and I've had done some... Um, some of the real ciphers, which can take uh, more than a couple of hours, sometimes a couple of days. And which D.B. Cooper letter did you examine first? Um, I believe, and let me pull it out. I think it's the one, um, it's the Reno, the Reno letter. But uh, let's see. I think that was the one that caught my attention. And um, I started working on it, but... I didn't, I don't remember exactly finishing it, but then I said, no, I did. I finished it when you brought my, brought my attention to me. <laughs> I said, I did finish it. It's stashed away somewhere in, um, um, let's see, it's stashed away because I got things pre-packed in case we have to evacuate. So I redid that code just for you. <laughs> so, oh, you're so sweet, was- Harriet. That was the first one. And I said, no, I knew it said something about surprise, surprise, um, that there was a hidden compartment and he jumped out using some kind of fishing line, which I heard late recently, a few years ago when I started to read, you know, when you do these decodes, you got to try to find something that might match up with it, even if it's newer. And there was a theory that that he did jump out as it was landing over in Reno, the D.B. Cooper but Jack is saying in a cryptic um, anagram of everything on the envelope. And uh, shall I read it? Because it blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Would you mind reading what was on the envelope and then ha- telling sure. us kind of part of your process for decoding it and then the final message? Yes. Okay. It said Reno newspaper, Reno NEV 
Oakdale, comma, CA, and I believe it had the complete zip code, 95061, November 27, 1971, Eisenhower, eight cents stamp, but it actually, okay, let's just read the rest here. Okay, Eisenhower, eight cents stamp, attention with a big exclamation mark, and these are cutouts. That's attention with the big exclamation mark. Thanks for hospitality was in a rut, D.B. Cooper. But I learned after doing so many of these decodes, especially the envelopes, it's not only what the stamp says, it's who was in the stamp. So it is President Dwight David. And so you add that to the rest of the cryptic message. So anyways, um, then it comes out as Reno newspaper. I run it all together because that way I can see it as just a bunch of letters and symbols, not just words. So it's then easier for me to pick out words when I go to rearrange it as an anagram. So it runs all together. Reno newspaper, Reno, Nevada, uh, Oakdale, comma, CA 95061 NOV 27 1971 President Dwight David Eisenhower USA 8 cent attention exclamation mark thanks for hospitality was in a ret D dot B Cooper and then I anagram it out and it comes out as President Nixon okay Agnew spy op attack but missing the C in the word attack and then a French word called Rachat, um, and then via Northwest Orient, 7, 16, 1971, and then it uh, comes out as, let's go back to where it's much more clearer, my own handwriting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so it says, a tackle spindle line was hid, briefcase compartment void, ad, AU, which is ad usum, because he used a lot of Latin, and it says Windland over Reno, and then the zip code area of 89502. So um, interesting to note, which you didn't see this part, because um, I was left over with the letters A-U, and I said, uh, it's got to be Latin. And then I remembered when I did the, the first time, it came out as A-U for use, and it's in the zip code area when he's landing. And um, I would um, then theorize that, yes, he had hooked himself up to this really super strong fishing line. And as it was landing, um, he cuts the thing or has to spring it back. And I hear a now new theory that they found a piece of the Orient um, in about 1975 that it broke off at the, the landing stairs, the aft or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting because, yeah, that would make sense if he was hooked up to that thing and it was starting to land with the um, and then the inertia and so on and so forth, that um, he would probably have hit just right up above where the mountains start to go up outside the Reno uh, area. And here's where Dennis often said the same story when Jack had um, moved in with them and he said, I don't know what the hell Jack was doing up in, you know, up above the Reno airport, but um, he got badly injured and his mom helped take care of his shoulder. So that was a story that was always repeated when we went up. When Dennis moved in here, we were just trying to get back to the Zodiac cases, um, you know, get past them. I mean, um, 
he would always bring up about what happened in 1971 about Jack getting injured near the Reno airport. So I think that was also a story that he conveyed to um, to the FBI, which also in you know piqued their interest that Jack is probably the right guy. I'm not sure I understand how the fishing line worked. Oh, it was something super long. Um, um, now Jack apparently did know something about fishing, but it would be something super, super strong and hooked on a certain way as it's landing. And then um, the inertia, so whatever, I'm trying to remember, because Jack knew a lot about physics. <laughs> so um, that that he would be held, hold on to the fishing line and maybe it was hooked on a certain way to the gear he might have been wearing underneath his shirt or, you know, a whole bunch of theories and conjectures there. But um, but then as it was landing, he popped it loose somehow, but he gets injured. Then it said he was definitely injured up there in 1971, up above the Reno airport. So he, instead of parachuting out, he used fishing line? Yeah, because uh, the, the app stairs were dropped down, if I remember uh, the whole story. And um, he had gone, they said that um, D.B. Cooper went down the stairs and um, as it was landing, um, he jumped out (laughs) instead of waiting until a lot of people theorize that he, that D.B. Cooper jumped out in a parachute, you know, over someplace. But uh, it uh, looks like he did jump out according to the world of Jack and the decode man (laughs) um, that he jumped out in 1971 over Reno. As it was landing. Boy, that's interesting. Especially if he lived in the Tahoe area. That's pretty close to home. Yeah. Um, I have another decode that I didn't send you, but um, that was, I think, close to the same time period I did this one. And it's, um, oh, let's see. It's, It's the chief. Let's see. It's chief editor of the province. Um. Well, let's read that one because that's not the one I'm looking for. But there's also that is a Z408 grill cipher. It's kind of hard to explain, but the but that letter goes on top of the Z408, and then you pick out where the dots and blobs match, and then anagram. And it's a message for Frank Ballestery, Mr. Big. Uh, he's definitely somehow working with a lot of mobsters and gangsters at the time. But he's saying, tell Mr. Big that an East Ohio hotel is next. But anyways, but you don't have that one. So let's go with um, the I am right here in Portland, that letter for the revolution. That one's an anagram too. And it says that um, right after he lands in Reno, it says drove... In the anagram, it says, drove one hour, hid the money, 100 or 200,000, in round at state line uh, p.m. So it's like after, it's not in the a.m., it's in the p.m. But anyways, it says, got briefcase, hid in Lathrop, Lathrop, California. So a lot of activity then that Jack was definitely involved with. And um, the money went somewhere, but um, it got hid and, and moved. What's the point of of mailing in all these cryptic messages? It's to get the mail, uh, uh, the messages relayed, because um, you got a lot of people working. Apparently, it sounds so um, 
cloak and dagger, but you got a lot of people working in the Associated Press <laughs> and, and um, how, the, how these messages get relayed. Um, and then if somebody who had access to the Chronicle or any of these um these major newspapers would say, oh, I know how to decode this. Oh, let me tell the president. Okay, he got the money and he hid it somewhere. <laughs> so um, it's very, uh, it's unbelievable, but it looks like that's what was happening. And he's getting um, Bill Hilliard involved, who was managing uh, the editor for the, for the Oregonian at the time. And it looks like they were twisting Bill Hilliard's arm because... Um, in the book that I have out, um, I was showing some of the period letters that are before that, and he's saying that Bill Hilliard was involved with the death of Elizabeth Short and Susan Dagnan. So Bill Hilliard had um, an interesting, quiet, but dark past, and he's now running the Oregonian. So it looks like um, he's, they're twisting his arm and using that... Um, that newspaper and these cryptic codes to get messages across. That's my best theory that I can tell you. And and Jack Terrence is involved in a lot of unsolved crimes. Um, yeah, a lot of them are called crimes, but then when I look and I'm seeing, it looks like um, he, he's involved in a lot of mysteries because um you know, in order to understand D.B. Cooper, you got to go a little bit back and understand, according to his world, what happened with Black Dahlia, Elizabeth Short, Chicago. Nixon was a then unknown politician, and he's helping the mobsters um, get. Um, this is where uh, the Reno and the Tahoe area comes in because uh, he's helping. Uh, Nixon is helping the mobsters get a whole bunch of uh, strongholds in Las Vegas, Nevada, a state line Y, um, that area. So then you fast forward to D.B. Cooper and it's like um, Nixon's now the president. And uh, in my opinion, it looks like the people that they were working with that helped get Nixon into the presidency were (laughs) having to get paid back somehow. And then also keep some of the operations that there's apparently a lot that goes on that we don't know about. Even today, um, there's operations that go on. It's cloak and dagger. I've got spies here in the United States. And that is apparently what Jack's world is because it, it spans well after uh, the Zodiac era, but also the D.B. Cooper era. So who was Jack working for? Um, he says, according to his world, he's um, definitely working for the government. He um, is um, working as an IRS goon. That's what he said in some later decodes that that, um, that he was doing jobs, trying to track down people that owed certain money and trying to strong arm people. And, um, and if they were going to be killing the president currently, his people got... Um, got rid of the the assassinators. But um, he's definitely working for, at some time, uh, Bobby Kennedy in the Get Hoffa Squad. And he says that many, many times. And it's like once his Get Hoffa Squad boss was killed in 1968, it was on. I don't even know if he got paid for some of this. It was He was just saying he was the guy that was going to help get rid of the people that killed his boss. But it involves D.B. Cooper cases as well, what led up to it. (laughs) 
So why do you think he did the D.B. Cooper skyjacking? Um, it's, it's, um, it's, let's see, I got it right here. It's, um, it's something about that they had to pay back some, um, operations that happened that involved, um, Spiro Agnew and they had to, I think, pay for what was currently going on. And, um, some of those operations, uh, how else do I put it? Because then people don't have the book. They're not going to understand some of this, but um, Jack is saying that uh, Darlene Farron is the woman in the polka dot dress. And this has been theories years ago that she might have been the woman in the polka dot dress that had to do with who really killed Bobby Kennedy. So um, it looks like uh, that those things to kill a, a an assassin uh, cost money so the people it wasn't just jack working and doing this um doing all these things alone he had to be paid and so did the people he worked with and i think that that's what um the concoction of this db cooper caper came about to pay these people pay them what they were owed and help fund um because they still were trying to get after hoffa Hoffa was that elusive. And um, that's just a very strong working theory that the money had to pay back people, but also continue the operations and, and make people at the time period, even now, look way off to the right when off to the left is what it's really for. <laughs> it's, I think, a version of MK Ultra, you know, shaping people's minds and thoughts and so that way they can quietly do their business. Something of it very dirty, but it was done. Was Jack involved with MK Ultra at all? Um, Jack, uh, we got some early decodes. That it's not in the book, but um, we were understanding through some other people that were trying to crack his codes that it did appear he might have been involved with MK Ultra, and um, so he just um he was definitely linked somehow to intelligent agencies so a lot of people did get um tainted by some of the dark side of mk ultra but it looks like they're using some of those types of uh, twisting the minds and making people think certain things so that way they won't see what's really going on so i would say he was uh, definitely uh, somehow involved in M- with mk ultra but got out of it because he was um, definitely doing some work long after that. Yeah, this guy was involved in a lot of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what's been the most shocking thing to you in, in your work? Um, to find out that he knew, that Jack definitely knew something about the death of Marilyn Monroe. And um, it's, it's fast forward about two years later, in the 1974 Zodiac SLA letter, uh, the actually the envelope is a, both of them have to do with the death of Marilyn Monroe and the baby that he's saying, and this is an easy anagram now, that, um, that Marilyn Monroe, no, known by uh, Norma Baker, or, oh my God, Norma Mortensen, anyways, that she did have uh, an RFK baby but um, it was uh, some funds were going to take care of that their baby, and that uh, that his wife, 
Bobby Kennedy's wife was helping to raise the baby by sending funds to the person who was, uh, uh, I think it was then Marilyn's half-sister, who was also the nanny at the time, in the, I think, circa 1962 on up to the 1970s. But what got me was, which that was very sad, was um, there is lots of rumors that she had a JFK baby. But then there's also a woman who's been claiming, her name is Gladys Baker Morris, who's been claiming that she has a birth certificate because she's uh, supposed to be a distant cousin of the famous Marilyn Monroe, but she finds out that uh, the mother that she thought was really raising her was actually the Marilyn's sister. Anyways, a little complicated, but she said that she was told that she was a, a Kennedy baby and she was born around 1962 and around June 1962. But this coincides with a decode that Jack apparently knew a lot about what happened with uh, with Marilyn Monroe because um, she had a Kennedy baby. And that was really surprising for me um, to see that. And and I can almost feel the emotion leaping up off the page, you know, that uh, this was very emotional for him and the people he was working with. And it was one of the reasons why they were going after Hoffa and Giancana, Sam Giancana. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anyways, that I think is one of the standout surprises. But I have one more if you'd like to hear it, because it has something to do with the D.B. Cooper cases. Oh, hell yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> OK, uh, as you see in the one that I sent you where it's. Uh, I'm gathering up my papers here. Oh, hold on. I think it's over here. It's the one that I just sent you. And it says, um, and this is the Oregonian 1320 Southwest Broadway in block letters. And uh, December 3rd, that's PM, 1971, U.S. Postal Service 970, only part of the zip code. That's very important because what that real zip code is. Anyways, it says San Francisco cable car, U.S. 8 cents. That's the stamp. And then historic preservation. But what most people can't see is it says, remembering our POW-MIA sacrifice for freedom, in quotation marks. And then um, I'm adding uh, I'm adding all of that, but Portland, Oregon to it, and the rest of the zip codes. And... Um, so what's what's important about that is the zip code is 97085 and the remembering POW MIA sacrifice for freedom was used by the military especially military outposts and uh, Jack was also a recruiter and he worked often apparently I'm finding out so much <laughs> he was working in recruiting offices and that is um a recruiting office um Somewhere's in Oregon. But anyways, um, it anagrams out to all of that that's on the envelope. It anagrams out to railroad operator 17, remember, World War II, Frances Brown, 33, because she was 33 years old at the time, Ross, Susan Dagnan, and then pictures, Chicago, University of California, GH, Dr. Hodel, Navajo, doctor, that's what he was, perform, perform late Elizabeth Short C-section at Blackfeet Reservation, northeast of Missoula County, Montana. Well, um, 
that's where this ties in with D.B. Cooper, because he's bringing up about what he knows about Susan Dignan and that Bill Hilliard is involved with uh, the death of Susan Dignan taking a bunch of pictures. So that's where Bill Hilliard is now, the Oregonian, again, the editor at the time. But that definitely ties in with D.B. Cooper, Susan Dignan, and the, the death of Susan Dignan at that time period. So a lot of things that we didn't know about Bill Hilliard. That was very surprising. But anyways, um, one of the decos that I did that has um, the D.B. Cooper that has um, a lot of dollar signs in it and a cutout. Well, I knew that the dollar signs were actually symbols for D because uh, the Susan Dagnan, um, it's in the book. It says, um, get 200,000 ready. Well, that dollar sign is used as a D. So this is also, he's also using that dollar sign for D in the D.B. Cooper case's cryptic messages. That's amazing how it, it just circles in, <laughs> even though it's like 20 or 30 years later. So I think that's one of the standouts for me there, because uh, I remember working on that um get the $200,000. I'm trying to find it right now, but it says, get it ready. Okay. Here it is in the book. It says, get 200, oh, no, get $20,000 sign ready in uh, other signs, but wait for a word and blah, blah, blah. But I was working on that for four hours and I came up with everything except for the D for Dagnan. And then I realized the dollar sign it was almost as if Jack was telling me, hello, D is for dollar. <laughs> he was, <laughs> so, so when I came to the D.B. Cooper cases and I saw the thing with the dollar signs, I says, oh, I know that those are D's. <laughs> so um, anyways, that was a very uh, surprising standout for me. Um, so I don't want to get too sidetracked because we're definitely focusing on D.B. Cooper, but... <laughs> And in order to understand D.B. Cooper, you got to understand all these other mysteries. And Jack. Oh, yeah, especially if one dude did it all. Well, he didn't do it by himself. That's the thing that I'm finding out that he's working with some uh, amazing people. And I definitely can sense he had a love hate relationship with Nixon. And um, so, but. Um, and I understand that Jack was uh, pretty much a lifelong Democrat and Nixon's a Republican, but he's ending up working for the Nixon administration uh, starting around 1968. So um, it looks like uh, he's just trying to clean up the past and trying to get after those who killed Bobby Kennedy. I'm sure Nixon hated the Kennedys. We heard that all the time, but didn't really want them dead. And then now he's the president. He's like, I got to get after these people that killed all these other people before me because I'm now the president and they can kill me. So I think that that's why he's working and who he's working for by 1968. He's working for the administration, Nixon, Spiro Agnew. Who knew? <laughs> Did Jack Terrence ever work with E. Howard Hunt? E. Howard Hunt. You know, you're bringing up something. I went to two of the JFK conferences and I tried to ask questions to his son. And his son just kind of looked at me like, I can't answer things like that. I met people who worked for the CIA at those conferences. Um, uh, Tosh Plum Lee 
And I asked him, I asked, I just asked him out right because um, Tosh Pum Lee is very familiar with Texas. Jack is from Texas. And I asked him, did you know Jack Torrance? Because Dennis was telling me at that time period when he was still, because Dennis is now deceased, but Dennis was telling me about that time period that when Jack died, some kind of like CIAS people came to um, pay their respects and fired off a six or seven gun salute. So, um, so anyways, I'm asking even Tosh Plum Lee, did you ever work with him or know him? And he says, Harriet, I can't answer that question. <laughs> he smiled like, yes, I did, but I can't say yes or no. Interesting. So, so E. Howard Hunt is that, um, definitely, uh, placed there with the Nixon administration. So I would not be surprised if he knew him. Cause I, Someone else who theorized E. Howard Hunt could have been D.B. Cooper. Well, he was definitely, if I'm seeing this for what it is, and um, a lot of decodes that are now saying um, cryptic messages that were sent to the to the Chronicle and, you know, all that same time period, um, that the, the, that the break-in for uh, Watergate was staged. So that was, again, if you want to call it MKUltra-esque, make people think it was something that was, there were other really things going on. Um, yeah, I would think that he definitely knew E. Howard Hunt because it's all cloak and dagger and um, things that had to be cleaned up. How the president got into the White House. Can't have it being thoroughly talked about that Bugsy Siegel and all these people <laughs> helped him get in there. That, that was not good politics then. But um, <laughs> but but Jack is um, definitely knowing a lot, and wow, yeah. So again, I think he did know him. What has the reaction been to your book, uh, "The World According to Jack Torrance"? That once people read it, especially um, people that are familiar with this area, they're like, "Oh my God, um, so and so I knew was a witness. I saw the car, and they tried to go to the police, and the police just brushed them off." Um, now that they see it, um, that Darlene Farron was supposed to die, it makes sense. You know, it was, there were people that have claimed that they were witnesses and tried to come forward in this region, in the wine country region. And when they're seeing this, they say, well, now it makes sense. Um, uh, and Ryan Hartnell was not a very uh, good guy at the time, uh, Jack's got a few things to say about him, uh, why he went after Cecilia Shepard and why he was wearing the hood. Um, but once you put it into perspective that they were involved with people who were either assassins or would be assassins, um, that that's who they were going after, uh, makes, makes a lot more sense. And I think that's what people are surprised about, especially when they see, oh my God, it was an anagram. <laughs> when when they when I show them a lot of the envelopes and some of the messages are just simply anagrams. You just had to uh, discover what the code keyword was or, or is, or even the code key symbols, but that they were just simple anagrams. And that's a surprise to many people. I said, well, if you can do an anagram, then you can solve the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> a lot of, not every one of them, because especially when it comes to the code keys and trying to find, uh, match the right symbols and using grill cipher method. Okay. <laughs> that um, also, I think, impresses people when they see it. They, they say, oh my God, it's a 16th century grill cipher method that a lot of the 
the Zodiac era letters are, that the page goes on top of the Z408, all those symbols running together. And then, well, that's why the computers today can't, can't crack them because it's a 16th century method. And they didn't have those types of computers, but they did have computation. Cardano, uh, Cardano grill cipher method is um, what Jack is basing a lot of these on. And he's 16th century, Cardano. I know the uh, the Zodiac community is quite a bit larger than the D.B. Cooper one. What mm-hmm. has the reaction been inside that community to some of your code breaking? I haven't really heard too much, especially when I they tried to uh, kind of attack me a little bit when the book was starting to come out. <laughs> but I said, okay, well, I sent something to Tom Voigt because um, – um, he was, Jack was confessing to Tom Voigt of all people and, um, and the letters that were sent to him, uh, they're called the, oh, let's see, the Thailand letter and, the the, um, the Singapore letter and Nanette said right away, that's Jack's handwriting because she has a whole bunch of records on his handwriting. Um, so when people, started to try to attack me when I knew the book was coming out. I said, well, Tom Boyd, I put, I put it on Twitter. And um, the moment I showed him how it was done, and this was before my book was copyright, copywritten, um, I said, you know, Jack was confessing to you, and I wanted to call Tom a bunch of names because, of all people, Jack was confessing to him in uh, 2002, 2003. So um, I think once I showed how it's done, um the code-breaking community has been quite silent because I'm showing that there's a process here and it's actually a pretty sometimes very simple uh, scientific process. Um, And uh, so I I think um, I can only thank Jack Torrance because he's the one who created these cryptic messages and ran with these um, code symbols and so on. And I just finally figured out his his method. But if I tell you a little bit more about that, that's probably going to creep people out, but I'd like to bring that up. (laughs) Let's do it. Well, a lot of these that I worked on the last several years, and even the D.B. Cooper ones, I would go to sleep and I would dream. And occasionally Jack would be saying, you know, in, in dreams, You'd be trying to encourage me. Well, try this. Try this method. Try that. Try this as an anagram. That is no joke. Um, and when I'm working on them, um, I'm using one eye. I just realized that a few months ago that I am using. I, I have an astigmatism, and but I find it easier when I'm doing anagrams and codes to close my one eye and concentrate. Well, Jack Torrance had only one good eye. So is is he trying to help because he wanted his he wanted the world to know who he was and what he did, mainly Zodiac, but all the other things that he was involved with. But I was thinking, oh my God, I close and I used the one good eye that I know I have. And Jack only had one good one good eye. But yes, he's came to me in dreams and told me how to crack a, a few of the ciphers. So I, I know I'm doing them, but I'm just doing what Jack wanted, you know, and, and getting his meth- message out, whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly. It's what his life was and who he was working for and why and why people died 
and uh, that he did have a heart in some of these um, cryptic messages. Do you think he was a good guy or a bad guy? <laughs> I don't know what to say because right now, through the periods of uh, the 1940s, he's when he's getting started out, which he was only 17, by the way, and we got some very, I got some very early decodes of the Georgette Bordoff cryptic message, long story, but um, I think he was getting involved with uh, that they were going to kill Susan Dignan and all these other people, but he veers off and becomes the Black Dahlia Avenger. So he's involved with some pretty dirty things, but then he realizes, in my mind, he's realizing that, no, killing six-year-old Dignan and all this stuff, no, he's not going to be involved with that, but he's going to be telling and relaying messages and avenging and um, so I think he was an avenger of many sorts all the way through the Zodiac era. And then he's trying to, he starts confessing to people in 1971. He's saying who he is to Herb Kane in uh, the D.B. Cooper Sky Marshal letter. And I think that's in the book. He's he's saying, hey, I'm the guy who he's saying, Herb Kane, I'm the guy who was in the hood. And um, I was 41 at the time. That's just an anagram of what well, it's handwritten on the Sky Marshal's D.B. Cooper uh, mystery letter. So I think he's avenging, but he's, uh, I think for many years, he's avenging and doing some dark-sided but good things for for our country. A lot of people are going to be so angry when I say that, but I'm seeing it through his world, what he was doing, but he he does admit to killing Dennis's mom and um, Charles Torrance's mom and, uh, you know, Dennis's family member's mother. And But he's um, apparently quite, I feel the remorse he's saying in his final decode, which is actually sent to Bruce Ivins, uh, has to do with the anthrax cases. Anyways, uh, he's um, he ends up dying a murderer. He's knowing that he murdered for sure. But I think most of his life, a lot of people, when they read the book and they see these decodes, how they come out, um, they're going to think, well, Jack was just a, a hired gun, an Avenger, a spy. But in the end, he dies a murderer. But he's also very sorry. He's very remorseful. And that's what I'm seeing. Because he was trying to confess between 2001, I have Dennis's own records. Long story how I got that this year. Because, um, but anyways, in Dennis's own records, he's showing that where Jack had confessed and he's saying, I am the Zodiac. And he, Dennis would often tell me that Jack would try to tell him what being Zodiac was, but that the world is not going to roll out uh, the red carpet to you for solving these cases because it's much more than what you think it is. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he was a killer. He was a hired gun. He was an Avenger. He was a vent in, in his own uh, cryptic messages, decoded. He says he's avenging by 1968, that he's uh, avenging Will Wilkerson. What happened with how Will Wilkerson got um, kind of like ripped off of the the Flamingo Hotel and how Nixon helped him, so on. It's a little complicated, but he says he's avenging Will Wilkerson, um, Marilyn Monroe. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Will Wilkerson, and then Black Dahlia, then Marilyn Monroe, then JFK and MLK, who happen to be friends with the Kennedys, and then his boss, Bobby Kennedy. I mean, that once that last straw for him came in, the, he and who he's working with, it was just on. And again, I don't even think Jack got paid for a lot of what he did between 68 and 71. Because um, then it said Jack did not have any money, nothing. He, he just was um, uh, so poor, he had to move in with his mom by 1971. So I think that matches up as he he was just doing things for free, just to get rid of the people that killed his boss, Bobby Kennedy. And then in November 24th, 1971, he makes a big payday. Yeah, I think so. And it was not just for him, but probably for a whole mess of other people. Um, the names he names, I, I would say it's about 15, 16 people. Because um, the going rate about that time period, especially, hmm, let's see, because I'm finding information just not too long ago that he definitely was working for the government um, through, uh, oh, what is it, uh, Capitol Hill, which, by the way, Capitol Hill is based on the Zodiac. Did you know that? <laughs> this is sort no, of I didn't. Done. It's north, south, east, and west, the rotunda. Anyways, uh, the growing rate then to work and do something, even if it's quietly, was about $6,000 around 1971. So if you have like, $16 people involved, 16 times 6000 it's a little bit under 200000 of those uh, era dollars. So that it seems when you think about it, as bizarre as it sounds, because it is D.B. Cooper and the caper, it sounds like something that Nixon would come up with. Well, I can't pay you guys directly, so let's just kind of do some wheeling and dealing and strong arm some people and, and uh, even some airline industry, and um, we'll make people think this was a horrible crime when, in fact, it was to pay people that helped him get into the White House and pay people to kill people who killed other presidents and to fund current operations. Do you think his bomb was real on the plane? Oh, no, no. Jack would never be that stupid <laughs> to try to land with a bomb. <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, this. Um, Why do you think all these are still unsolved, Harriet? Oh, because mysteries make money. If you actually solve them, even a few years ago, it takes the wind out of a lot of people's sales and their book sales. And, and um, but I really disagree with those people, you know, um, if you actually solve it, I mean, I'm really convinced that Jack is definitely D.B. Cooper. But that actually opens up many doors to follow many avenues and um, TV shows. I understand there's a TV show coming up on D.B. Cooper, the History Channel. Um, it actually opens up many more doors. And um, this brings me to why I did this book, uh, I had an agreement with Dennis Kaufman, and it was a verbal agreement. And now that he's deceased, I was to do um, to sell the book to a certain point and just get my housing and living situation taken care of because it was it's kind of a complex story uh, about about 2015, 2016. It was definitely not safe, but now everything burned down. But um, I would like, sure, should um, the Terrence family and the Kaufman family be listening to let you know that I'm going to honor what I agreed to with Dennis Kaufman. 
And um, they're just going to have to trust that if this book starts really selling, there's supposed to be some um, splinters off into different directions. And Dennis and I talked about how there should be trust accounts and trust funds set up. If my book is selling, that I'm supposed to try to do that. And and now he's deceased. I want to honor his um, his requests because we talked about that often. So, but um, yeah, that's I think the reason why the mysteries keep going uh, because a lot has to do with people want to make their money, keep the mystery, mysteries going. But I think there's more money in the mysteries being solved. But doesn't the FBI want to see these cases solved? Uh, I think the FBI's known all along that Jack was probably it, because I think that's why they always backed Jack as the right guy, because they just, you know, found some things. Uh, Jack had his fingerprints uh, taken. I got copies of his fingerprints, military records, and his fingerprints are um, especially damaged by the 1970s. There was some kind of accident. Uh, there was a debate on whether it was through GE or a radiator accident. Um, but um, so his fingerprints have always been there, even partial prints and so on in Quantico. So I think they always known that he was it. But you have a lot of people Oh, my God. I forgot to bring this up. <laughs> Carl Rove. When I started seeing some Zodiac era solves, which, you know, is also D.B. Cooper era solves, uh, he's got a lot to say about Carl Rove. And I think that that's among some of the other reasons why, you know, it's like, keep this thing a mystery because we can't have Carl Rove <laughs> who's in the Republican Party. <laughs> you know, um, I'm laughing about it now, but there's a lot of people through those eras that are now working and in important positions right now. So and definitely they would kind of like to have this kept a mystery, but you know, um, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think he chose the name Dan Cooper? Oh, um, I, you know, I actually got a, something of a solve over that. I thought even a long time ago that it might be the the code symbols that look like D and A and so on. Um, where is it now? I think it's um, has something to do with uh, with the cryptic code for Nevada and uh, spy operation um, and and actually also for DC for District of Columbia. It's kind of like, shh, okay, this has to do with District of Columbia and who's who's living in the White House in District of Columbia. So I think that that's what came about. And then um, I'm understanding it was the Oregonian that add the B. So twisting the arms um, for the editor who was working there, he probably said, well, add the B because it has to something to do with Black Dahlia and the era of Nixon and so on in the 40s. So I think that that's the best guess and best theory that I can come up with because D.C. is also very famous for District of Columbia. So you don't think he chose that name based on the comic book? No, no. As far as I know, Jack did not read comic books, but... Dennis used to always tell the story that he was a reader and he loved Louis L'Amour, the, uh, the cowboy romance novelist guy. So, but not, not after the comic book. 
unless it was DC Comics. <laughs> but then, again, the, the initials DC, District of Columbia. Why don't you think Jack Terrence or D.B. Cooper gets the attention that it deserves? Why don't I think it? Yeah. Um, I think it's, again, it goes back to people. Uh, we found out early on, uh, Dennis and I, that uh, when people have their websites going um, and they want to just Im- insist that it's their suspect for all kinds of cases. And a lot of people for a lot of years, recent years, have been saying D.B. Cooper is, is Zodiac and so on. Uh, they It's um, become their lifeline to keep the mystery going, to keep the 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 carrot dangling in front of the horse, you know, to keep that going. Um, but uh, so, but once you find out what you hear about Jack and what you see and even see the pictures of the area, uh, uh, it kind of, it, it kind of deflates their balloon, but it goes back to me saying, man, you're going to make a lot more um, success and money if you follow the right suspect. And it is Jack Tarts. Do you have any idea how that that fifty eight hundred dollars of DB Cooper money ended up on Tina Barr? Uh, actually, yeah. When when I counted out um, how, because I see all these names and and uh, you don't have access to all the cryptic messages and codes, but I think it's something like sixteen people altogether. And uh, one of them, um, who he was working with, I think died about that same time period seventy two seventy three. So um, that money just didn't get spent. So it ends up dropped over there. But I'm hearing all kinds of theories that they said once they found it, it couldn't have been sitting too long. So, you know, it's just uh, maybe it's the, the one person who had died who just didn't get their share. And Jack Jack was very familiar with traveling back and forth between uh, Sacramento and um, his family up in Washington, Seattle areas. So he just probably went over there and said, okay, I buried it in honor of one of the people that just didn't get their money. Did Jack have parachute experience? Um, he was, um, he worked, uh, he was in uh, the Army Air Corps. So I think he knew something about, um, yeah. And he was also in the Navy and um, it was called the Army Air Corps be- before it became the Air Force. So I think he definitely knew something about parachuting yeah at the very least he would have had some classroom training or something right oh definitely i think um the theory is that he probably had some brush-up training when he knew he was going to be doing this caper but you know so but he also had a lot of experience with physics and inertia and all kinds of uh, technical scientific things so yeah it makes sense that he would know that if he jumped out at a at you know 800 feet maybe as a mirror landing but the mountains down below, just before the airport, the Reno airport is up a couple hundred feet. He only had a few hundred feet to jump and um, hit his shoulder pretty hard. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was expected, but uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, is there a, a critique that you get regularly? A critique? Yeah, is there one thing that stands out that people say to to try and discredit some of your work, or you're wrong because of this? I think it's because um, people have been brainwashed for many years to believe that uh, 
that Zodiac was a madman serial killer and uh, he killed these women because it reminded them of their mother. And I would try, I've been trying to tell people, no, I've done the anagrams, <laughs> simple anagrams, and it shows what he's done. And they, they asked me, well, why would you want to be, a, um, you know, relaying what, what some brutal serial killer who chopped up Susan Dagna and a lot of people thought he did it. Um, uh, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, just look at the book and let me show you some anagrams. I've tried to tell people lately, do you know how to do anagrams? Because it's boiled down to some of them being as simply as doing an anagram, but they're, they're so brainwashed, you know, into believing because of all the stuff that they've heard, you know, through all the media for 50 years. And so they said, well, why do you want to do that? Doesn't he he scare you? And I said, he's never scared me. And I remember meeting him, but as a kid. And my Auntie Jean told me when I brought him, brought Dennis Kaufman here to to try to get away from the cases, that uh, when Jack was very uh, affiliated off and on between the Napa and Vallejo area. And my Auntie Jean was living in Napa at the time. But anyways, she said, you know, I've always known that Jack Torrance was a Zodiac. And this was um, around 2011 when Dennis came to move here. And Dennis was shocked to hear that. She says, look, just get past the cases. There's a lot of people who know things about Jack Torrance, you know, but um, anyways, uh, he never scared me. So I tried to tell people that there was nothing scary about this guy. And now I see through his cryptic messages and what he did, a lot of things he did. He was a military. (laughs) I think people need to reshape their minds when they see the book, The World According to Jack Torrance. And where can they pick that up? It is at lulu.com, but also harrietsuchet.com. So it's just all run together. Harriet Suchet, H-A-R-R-I-E-T-T-E. S-U-C-H-E-R.com. The company I went with came up with this wonderful website for me. uh, And they can buy the book and and buy the truth. And I don't call myself the author of the book, but because of uh, (laughs) how people want to present it, they say, you're the author. I say, well, no, I'm the creator of the book. I'm just the decoder of the author of the cryptic messages that Jack Torrance did from the 1940s all the way till the day he died in 2006. He did a, many of them, so many. A ton of them. Yes. And and I was lucky enough that uh, you kindly sent me a copy of your book, and I would definitely encourage everyone to pick it up. It's, it's, it's um, see, Jack, Dennis, when he came to stay here, especially in the place that's no longer here, because it did burn down in 2006, 16, sorry, choke, choking on smoke, because <laughs> we got the glass fire is encroaching into Lake County. Anyways, um, Dennis said that this is what Jack wanted. He wanted the world to know who he was and what he did. And But he, we didn't, at the time period, get to really crack all of his um, ciphers. And, you know, Dennis says, well, that's where the real truth is. Um, Jack wants people to know this. This was his his wish. So, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm letting Jack speak from the 1940s to 2006. And people are going to be shocked in a lot of cases he was involved with. But he is sadly admitting that he did murder the perfect mother, Nora 
Kaufman Terrence. He even calls her that. And that is um, a real tearjerker for me. Because when I met Dennis's friends, and Dennis would say, when we were trying to get him work, and we'd go all the way, my God, Dennis would travel all over the place. So I had to travel all over California and Nevada with them. <laughs> and he'd say, don't tell them that you met during the Zodiac cases. It's been a sensitive subject with my family and friends of 30 years. So I would come in, they'd ask me, where did you meet Dennis? I mean, I just don't remember ever seeing you. And and I said, well, it's been a few years. And then they, they would always ask me the same thing. Did you ever meet Nora? his mother. And I say, no, they, they say she was the perfect mother. And that's what gets me. Jack himself is calling her the perfect mother. He knew, and he's very sorry that he lost his head and killed her. That's so, dark. Yes. So, so he may have been this cloak and dagger spy guy, a real life uh, daredevil, but he dies a murderer and he knows it. So, you know, but he wanted the world to know. This is what he did. Well, on that note, Harriet, <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. I'll have links for everyone in the show notes. So if they want to go pick up your book or check out your site, we'll have it there for them. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. So we'll I think put that in there as well. Yeah, that's how you found me because I was. People were saying that they had their suspect, the DB Cooper, and I'm like, you can't just say somebody's a suspect if you can't decode the cryptic messages <laughs> and then you picked up on me like okay who do you think it is <laughs> and yeah definitely are. i found you on twitter and i was like oh my goodness she has a book i gotta contact her yeah so this has been my pleasure of doing this um you know um we just gotta keep the book going and and uh live up to a dying man's wish that dennis knew about uh, that he wanted the world to know what he did the good the bad the ugly everything well i truly thank you for putting this book out harriet Yes, and, and uh, I, I loved every moment being on your show. Thank you. Head on over to lulu.com and pick up a copy of Harriet's book, The World According to Jack Torrance, The Real Zodiac Killer, Black Dahlia Avenger, Get Hoffa Squad Member, and more. Also, be sure to follow Harriet on Facebook and Twitter. We'll have links to all that in the show notes for you. Is there a suspect we haven't covered yet? Or a theory you think we got wrong? Let us know. You can find us on Facebook. We are The Cooper Vortex. Instagram, at The Cooper Vortex. On Twitter, at DB Cooper Podcast. Or email us, dbcooperpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Harriet Suchet for coming on the show to tell us about her book. Thank you to Russell Colbert for always giving me good advice and truly for steering the show in the right direction. I'm Darren Schaefer, and thank you for listening to The Cooper Vortex.